Uh, let, let me describe Eugene to you right now. It's, uh, I'm pulling up the weather right now. I believe it's probably eh, 35, 37, 42. It's 42 degrees. Uh, the heater in the house is at 78. I'm wearing a sweater, a long sleeve shirt, an undershirt, and a blanket as we record this episode. I'm wearing a I, t-shirt. It's, I do I do not handle uh, the cold weather well. It's 36 out right now. And, and that's wind chill, so it feels like it's 36. It's probably higher. Uh, 41. And um, I'm wearing a T-shirt and the heater's cranked to 76. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's, it's easy. Like, it's not... You just get through it. You watch Netflix and you chill. And you eat some popcorn and drink some bourbon because bourbon makes you heartier. This is... That's where I've gone wrong. I, I've probably had bourbon once in my life. I am not heartied up. We can fix that. Make money online. So growing your business. Um, mm-hmm. How's your business doing right now? It's growing. It's uh, growing piece by piece. Business is actually good. Uh, overbooked is one word that I'd use. Uh, how about is, you? How's, how's draft? Draft is good. Uh, I'm booked solid basically every minute of every day. And sometimes that involves cooking lunch for my friends in the middle of the week, which I'm very grateful for. And sometimes it involves meetings and sometimes it involves writing, but I don't really have much wiggle room. Like if I, if something happens, like I, I don't sleep well the night before, or I get sick or, um, I get slammed with some other work that has to be an emergency for whatever reason, then, then I, I'm going to have to cut something. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. that's like the definition of discomfort for me is like, if something comes into my schedule, do I have to get rid of something else? Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to either burn out or stay up until two in the morning or whatever have you. And I think that lack of wiggle room, like that's a great way of describing exactly what I've been going through, what I've been experiencing for the first time over the last four or five months. Things just get to the point where uh, business has grown and clients are great, but the better client you work with, the larger projects you work on, the less time you have. And the sort of slack time that I used to take for granted, eh, I got four hours of stuff to do today. I could do whatever I want. Uh, that's gone. And it's gone because I've replaced it with cool opportunities like being interviewed or doing this podcast or writing more or mentoring people or taking on coaching students. But uh, there's a real cost to that that I didn't acknowledge before I started paying that price. Is that what growth means to you? Is filling out that time and doing these cool things? I think in a sense, that that's a deep, big question. I yeah. think, oh, I got to chew on that one for a second. I, I, th- I think the broader question, which is still deep, is what does growth mean to the two of us? It doesn't mean, well, it's easy to say what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean like being Uber for perjury and blowing up and making $46 billion and taking over the planet and conquering markets right like for us for us growth is a little bit more nuanced um it can mean booking yourself solid it can mean uh booking your schedule solid which is kind of what you're talking about um it can mean hiring right it can mean you and i both have assistants and we love working with them um it can mean uh delegating a lot of work out to like contractors, something like that. Like our friend Brennan, he has essentially a fleet of contractors mentoring for his group so that he can 
do a little bit of the like higher level thinky work around it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It can mean hiking your rate um, and making more money, you know, like or reducing the number of clients you have um, by charging the ones that you do have slightly more. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, this almost sounds blasphemous to say on the show, but to me, more and more, uh, uh, growing my business does not mean making more money. There's, uh, we touched on this in a previous episode where there's that, uh, there's been studies that show there's that upper bound of happiness is correlated with income. When you reach the 70000 ish dollars a year mark, well, more money doesn't one-to-one relationship make you more happy. And that's what I, when I thought about what do I want to get out of 2016, for one of the first times in the last few years, it wasn't I want to make more money. It's making more time. It's investing in hobbies, investing in opportunities, investing in experiences. But I'm incredibly happy if like the amount of money I make stays the same or if I'm able to make the same amount of money but spend less time making it and suddenly have more time to go to the park and do things and have that slack time again. So to get here, I've definitely grown in ways that have shrunk the available available time. But now I view growing my business as better leveraging, finding that time, finding that space, finding that slack room so mm-hmm. I have that time again. So I guess there's a cadence to that type of growth. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's not the type of growth you think when you think I'm going to grow the business. Mm-hmm. If I if I went to somebody in a bar and said, hey, I'm going to grow the business. I run a business. Here's what my business looks like, and I'm going to grow the business. They would probably have a very different impression from the kind of conversation that you and I have. Um, they probably think, well, they're going to hire and like build out a bigger office and like it's I see this in like cartoons growing up and stuff like you you start out in a garage and you you start to be successful and then you sell some things and people really like it and then you move into like you know your your tiny office in the middle of like a small town USA and then you start selling more and then you move into like a dedicated building off someplace and then you move into a factory and then you move into a bigger factory and then you have a corporate headquarters and and like neither of us gives a shit about that in the slightest yeah. way, right? There's yeah. there's nothing. And and you're staffing up and spending more money and making more money and, and you fall more precipitously when you fuck up. But like none of that, again, it's a $70,000 rule. Like you and I both make more than $70,000 revenue in our business. Mm-hmm. So what now? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's scary. That's, oh, I was about to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm petrified by it. Um, yeah. Because I don't know, like everything that I do with whatever money I have or without the money or whatever, um, everything that I do, like the money problem is is more or less solved. Like I have a system together for it. I know how to make money effectively. I know how to uh, make a little bit more than I need. And I know what constitutes what I need. And now what? Like... Mm-hmm what what I'm hearing from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, the solution is not to make more money. I don't think so. I think the solution is, I think the solution is looking that big scary question in the face and starting to answer, well, what does it mean to me to grow? Since there's a million business books out there that'll tell you what success means. There's a million gurus out there that will tell you what success means. But uh, that doesn't answer the question of what success means to you, to me, or to the listener. And that's the scary real question. When you start staring that in the face and saying, well, 
what does it mean for me to be happy running this business? For some people, it's like, I want to double the amount of money I made last year. For some people, it's, I want to build a bigger email list. For some people, it's, I want to work less and be able to travel. I want to be able to have experiences, go on vacations and not worry, oh God, am I going to be able to put food on the table? There's a slew of answers out there. And knowing, I, I think, at no point is there an absolute correct answer. There's just the correct process of taking the time to sit, observe, and think about, well, what does this mean for me? Yeah. I think there's a higher level consideration there that's that's important. I want to harp on this a little bit, which is that like, you know, you read business books and they have this very confident sense for what success means for a business because that's how they got to be successful with their business. But then they just like, they know all of the psychological persuasion methods and their giant mansplainers, because it's always dudes. And they like, just talk to you and they talk at you about what you should be doing with your business and why aren't you doing it? And you're doing it wrong right now by not doing it that way. And you have to have the integrity to say no to like half of their advice and know what half is important to say yes to. Um, you're just going through a buffet, taking three or four things and ignoring the rest of it. And mm -hmm. that doesn't invalidate their advice. You just have to, you have to come off with enough confidence that you know what to say yes and no to. Mm -hmm. Or you're mm -hmm. going to grow a business in a way that makes your life a private hell for the foreseeable. And, and I'm not here to tell anybody on this podcast, make your life a private hell for the foreseeable. That is... No. That's our other podcast. That's our other podcast. It's towards the index. It's very, it's near the end. Kind of a mullet. <laughs> we thought about editing it out and then we didn't. Uh, make money online and fuck up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that podcast. <laughs> I think there's an also element here of the, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, Darius Kaczynski talk from. Uh, Kaczynski is the Unabomber. You mean Darius oh. Kazimi. Kazimi, Kazimi, yeah. the, his talk from uh, XOXO, I think two years ago, How I Won the Lottery, where, so, and we touched on this, I think this will be the third time now, where so much of the advice on like what success means or how I made a successful business is, uh, I got lucky and I'm going to reverse engineer and pretend like it was a plan. Right, right. Yeah, wasn't I so smart that I had this very deliberate and amazing system together for doing everything that I needed to do and that I made $10 million? That is never how it goes. Well, it's just a three-step system. Well, the step one is I came up with Microsoft. Step two is I was successful with Microsoft. Step three is I made a million dollars by my book. Right, right. And, and that's obviously how Bill Gates became successful because there was no struggle. There was no frustration. There were no, there were no like weird backroom stories that ever went on with that person, you know? Oh, they just um, wrote those for the movie. Yeah, they, it's, it's, it's a lot of gloss. Sturmundrang. But like every talk at... So uh, I saw this talk by Darius Kazemi at XOXO. I, we cited it in a previous episode. And uh, the other talks at XOXO are, are very harrowingly personal a lot of the time. Uh, one of them from this past year talked about a dude's struggle with terminal cancer. It turned out to not be terminal. He went on stage and talked about it. Uh, he, there, there was another one where they were talking about their product, like going into the shitter basically, and a lot of people hating it. And he had a nervous breakdown and dealt with a lot of severe mental illness issues. And, um, those are the kinds of things you never hear about from successful business creators because they have to puff themselves up and feel very confident. And 
The reality is we are all gigantic walking sacks of emotional messes. That's it. There's no other way to it. Even possibly, especially the president of the United States, like everyone, everyone is a giant walking sack of emotional mess. And you, you look authoritative. You make a practice out of looking authoritative, but that is acting. You are acting. The, the, the scariest, I'm going to say scariest here, the scariest part of uh, growing my business over the last few years and suddenly becoming peers with the people I used to look up to is like, oh my God, they're they're shipping these amazing things. How do they do it? Is realizing, as you point out, like uh, they're emotionally fucked up. Everybody is broken on the inside. Everybody has a demon that they're struggling with or multiple demons. And it's not broadcast publicly. Only the successes are often broadcast publicly. And it ends up being this one-dimensional representation. You look around and you're like, ah, crap, how does person X, like, all they do is ship amazing things and they wrote two books this year. Well, maybe they wrote two books this year and their marriage is falling apart, but they don't blog about that part of their life. And it gives you this weird one-dimensional view of them. And as I've become friends with people who I still do look up to, it's been humbling to realize, wow, everybody is fighting the same battle or fighting their own battle. Everybody's involved in a, a battle and everybody is taking part in a war, but people don't often talk about it. And it's when people talk about it, when people are vulnerable and reveal and say like, I'm, I'm struggling with this issue that it humanizes them, but it doesn't necessarily detract from their status as an expert. And I think not enough people realize that to admit that they're struggling with something or they see a therapist or they're dealing with this emotional issue or a loved one is dealing with an issue, it doesn't take away from all the success over there. It makes them a more well-rounded person. Right. Right. That's exactly it. It's, you're not inhuman for, for admitting vulnerability. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, that's really what it comes down to. Um, in fact, you're more human. <laughs> for admitting vulnerability and, and knowing that, you know, if, if you cop to being a broken mess, was it the first step of AA is admitting you have a problem, right? Mm -hmm. There are 11 more steps, but that's the first step. And, and it's, that's why it's, there's the first step for a reason. Mm -hmm. So admit you have a problem and then grow your business. <laughs> well, I was about to say to tie it back, like to that, to the topic of growing your business, I think when it comes to growing your business, the first step is to, well, jumping back to the AA metaphor, to admit you have a problem, first you have to ask yourself if you have a problem or see if there's evidence of a problem. Similarly, if you're trying to grow your business or thinking about growing your business, you have to ask yourself, do I want to grow my business? Do I need to grow my business? Is there a problem that growing my business will solve? And if the answer to one or more of those is no, maybe you don't need to grow your business. Maybe everything is okay the way it is. I think it's rare for people to, like I remember in your uh, in your report at the start of 2015, reviewing 2014, you're like, I made X dollars last year. I want to make the same amount this coming year. I, I'm not going to play the game to make more money. Yeah, I actually ended up making substantially more than that this year. And uh, I, w I actually went back and looked at my numbers and was shocked. Because I felt like I worked just as hard this year as I did last year. Um, but to go back to your point, my, my kind of cognitive process around this, it's similar. It's, it's, I ask myself, am I feeling too strained 
Um, and that can be, am I working too hard or are too many people coming in the door and I'm saying no to too many good opportunities? Um, okay. Well, once that happens, that seems like a good, like criteria for whether or not I should grow the business. So once you get past that hurdle, that is a hurdle to say, okay, I definitely have, that's the problem is I have too much work or I'm turning away some work. The next question is, should I grow the business in this way? Because you have to figure out the exact tactic by which you're going to grow the business. Is it by launching a new offering? Is it by hiring out? Is it by charging more, et cetera, et cetera? And then you have to think through all of the ramifications for doing that. And you may have picked the wrong tactic to say, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't be hiring. Maybe I should be doing this. Okay, now you have to think through all the ramifications again and keep doing that until either you've run out of tactics, um, then maybe go to your like mastermind group or a colleague or something like that and generate more tactics. When you know you're completely tapped out, don't grow the business. Or you follow the, the lead on a tactic and, and come down and say, you know what, actually, I feel okay doing that. I think it would be a beneficial step for me in my business, being careful and deliberate. And then, okay, now I'm going to do this. Because if you just say, I'm going to grow the business, and why? What's the point? Have you thought about it? People don't think about it. Do you think people think about growing their business a lot of the time? They just, they see a success and they think they have to grow it, I feel. I think people view uh, stability as stagnation and stagnation as death. And if you are, I mean, like, is it in the best interest of our shareholders to keep profit the same this year? Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Is it in the best interest of you as an independent, independent consultant or a business owner to grow the business? Well, that's a different question. Suddenly you're asking yourself, do I want the more stress or am I happy with how things are? Do I want to run this business the same way this year and continue making profit? Like it opens the door to a really interesting question, I think, to ask yourself, do I need to grow? And does growing let me play towards an interesting goal? I love the the idea of when we set a goal for growth, it's something we're playing towards instead of it being like a laborious process. Growing a business, if we choose to grow it, should be fun. And so if we're playing towards like, oh, I want to make an extra $20,000 this year over, over last year or launch a new project this year, that should be something that's joyous and uplifting and exciting to participate in, not something that feels like oh, I'm assigning myself 20% more work this year to make 20% more money. Yeah. You should be excited to grow your business in the way that you have chosen, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? You sh that should be a, a thing that makes you happy to go into work every morning. I've, mm -hmm. you know, thought I'm going to slightly like change the positioning of my business about a year and a half ago. And I am, it's still a year and a half into it now. And I love going into work every morning. I love it. And it was not clear that I would love it. But if I stopped loving it anymore, then what the hell is the point? If mm -hmm. you are independent and listening to this podcast, you are probably able to call the shots on a level that is above most other people. And if you aren't taking advantage of that every single day of your life, I don't know what to say to you, man. Like it's, it's hard. It's, you don't need to feel hamstrung by your own context. And mm -hmm. If you want to change it, you don't need to feel hamstrung for long. It might take six months to a year for your market to adapt or um, you to figure out your new positioning. But like, 
rip the band-aid like today do it today mm -hmm. i i know a lot of business owners that i've been working with recently as a mentor and wr freelancing clients who uh, individually have expressed to me i have this fear that if i change my business or change my positioning or change the direction well, I've got this audience I've built up. I've got these email subscribers. I've got these existing clients. What happens when they show up and my business has grown in a different direction or I've changed my positioning? And I just, I shrug at them and I'm like, well, they show up. Like we could, we could reframe the question to what happens when your ex-girlfriend shows up and you're married and have a kid? Well, business has gone on. Life has gone on. You've grown in a different direction they either decide, okay, this is a thing I want, or they're like, oh, this is no longer the thing I want. You can't limit yourself to where you are out of fear of other people not liking where you're going to grow to. Yeah, yeah. I don't really care what other people think of me in the way that I grow my business. They might think I'm shooting myself in the foot every day, and that might be true, but I don't think that that should have... I mean, I take everybody's opinion seriously, to be very clear. I know that when somebody is care mad about draft or concern trolling me or something like that, like they're doing it from probably some sort of genuine place. They are actually concerned in some capacity and it's better than getting no feedback because people have expectations and building those expectations is something you should be grateful for. Um, but no one is the captain, but you mm -hmm. you're on a one person plane probably most people's businesses start that way. You may have two or three other people that you depend on, but really that's it. Um, and I, I think that people, I don't know. They, they, they put too little stock in their own self-confidence. Does that make sense? I, I was about to say, is it fair to say that people, me included, enjoy deferring the responsibility of making that decision or having that responsibility to other people so they don't have to worry about it themselves. Oh, well, I can't grow my business in that way because my customers won't like it. So I've now abdicated from having to make that decision because of the fear. Yeah. Well, you're connected to the human race in some capacity, right? Like you're connected to your clients in some way and your colleagues and your loved ones and stuff like that. So you get afraid of alienating your, your previous clients or not having a big enough market or uh, you mentioned before shareholders, pissing off the shareholders who have a very cold capitalist stake in your company that don't actually work there every morning. In any of those situations, you're going to take all of those things as like a sign that you might be messing up in some capacity. And only somebody with the most sociopathic tendencies would drown out every single other voice and blaze a trail alone. And they'd probably fuck up. Um, you take suggestions from others every day in your job and your life. Um, but you take one path, right? I'm not saying any other sentence than the one I'm saying right now. And I've made that choice in my life. And I, you know, whatever actions you take, that's what defines your life. I know that's terribly basic, but like, so you have to distill all of those things down and be almost an editor of those perspectives. And good editors cut a lot. Mm -hmm. They cut a lot. You're absolutely right that you need to choose your own path and choose what to cut off. Like when we think about growing our business, I've shut down two businesses that were making me over $100,000 a year profit because I decided to grow the business 
wasn't the direction I wanted to head in. And it was a flip of the switch for me. I just decided, I remember thinking about it for a week and then I woke up one day and I'm like, nope, I'm done. Shut down the website, shut down the eBay account, sell off all the stock. I'm done. I'll do something else. And growth, jumping back to the earlier point of the conversation, I view both of those incidents as me choosing to grow the business of Kai, but growing the business required pruning, required cutting off the limb of that tree, saying like, I'm not going to sell iPhones on eBay anymore. It's too much stress. I'm not enjoying it. And uh, I don't see the business growing organically in the way I want it to. So snip, it's done. Yeah. I mean, I told you, Ron, when we started making this podcast, we're going to do it until we're not having fun anymore. And when Mm -hmm. we start to not have fun anymore, we're done. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So we should always be having fun. I have been looking forward to this all day, right? Recording Mm -hmm. this episode. I love doing it. But if you're not having fun anymore, you have to admit that to your heart of hearts, man. You really do. And then you have to cut Mm -hmm. it. And if you're making profit, like that's not an excuse. Um, Mm -hmm. Others should be so lucky to make profit. A lot of people just flop around and don't do anything. Like you're in a very good position if you need to cut parts of your business out, Um, Mm -hmm. which is obviously the opposite of growth. You're you're pruning a bonsai tree, right? Mm -hmm. And... You, you know, making your decisions to save the rest of the tree. Um, mm-hmm. But yes. Jumping it, jumping it over to the personal side, I think there's like a lot of importance here in the idea of, well, you need to prune to make room for the growth. Uh, I discontinued two of my long-term hobbies in 2015, playing Magic the Gathering casually and playing poker uh, semi-locally professionally in two uh, tournaments a month or three tournaments a month. And I looked around and said, like, well, these aren't these aren't hobbies I'm enjoying that much anymore, connecting to the idea of we want to do things that are still fun and enjoyable for us. And, well, if I'm investing all this time in these hobbies, I'm not going to have the time for the next thing to serendipi- serendipitously occur for me. And it might feel weird. It might feel hard. I might lose friends who are saying, like, I'm not going to I'm not showing up to the poker tournaments anymore, even though I've shown up to every poker tournament for the last two years. It's just not that fun for me anymore, and I want to see what else can come in that space. And for that growth to happen on the personal side, it required pruning. And for growth to happen on the business side, I think it also requires pruning. What don't you enjoy anymore? What can you cut out? And what will that pruning suddenly allow to blossom in that space? Yeah, yeah. Man, there's a lot there. There's it's. We talk a lot about setting boundaries on here, right? And, mm-hmm. and respecting ourselves in a lot of ways. And, and hopefully these are some like, you can get some kind of tactical things out of this where you're, you have to look at yourself. What are you working on right now? Are you liking doing it? Are you assessing this every, oh, say three, six months max? I mean, you should be, just sit down in a coffee shop for two hours on a Saturday afternoon. You've got the time, I assure you. And think, do I like what I'm doing right now? Okay, I don't. I'm completely miserable. What am I doing to address it? And that can mean slowly moving in the right direction like I do or cutting it wholesale like Kai does. And and there are benefits and drawbacks to each of those things. You have to know what you're doing and why and what steps you're taking to make yourself happier. And if you're not doing those things... Maybe that involves growing the business. Maybe it doesn't. For me, it usually doesn't. Uh, I've hired one person in four years of being independent. (laughs) And 
um, have no ambitions to hire another at this moment. Mm -hmm. I -hmm. waited two years, probably too long to hire that person. Took a long time, a lot of squirreling up of confidence to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it worked out well for me and made a lot of sense at the time. And I, you know, I only wish I had done that sooner. But I, it came with a lot of thought, a lot of soul searching and dark corners of bars with people who were like, what on earth is your problem? Most of the time. <laughs> most people just wonder what the hell my problem is. Most of the like, why aren't you doing this? And the answer is, I don't know. I'm looking into the void most of the time, which is very exciting for professional conversation at a bar. Um, I'm really fun at parties, guys. <laughs> But yeah, uh, does that make sense? Like uh, how it's a process of soul searching to even decide to grow in the first place because mm-hmm. you can stay stagnant forever. Um, I would have been very happy to make as much money as I did in draft in 2014 and 2015, but I didn't. Fine. Worked out. I didn't end up miserable. Could have just as easily been the other way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know what to add beyond that. I think uh, I think like the thesis for this really is growing your business is a fine goal if you consent to that goal, but it doesn't have to be the default option. You have a choice of the, as the business owner or as a human. Like, do I want to head in this direction? Do I want more responsibility, more clients? Do I need more money? Do I want more money, or do I want to take stock and say like, well? What could I cut out that I don't enjoy anymore and suddenly give me space for other things, for new opportunities? And maybe in turn that pruning and that weeding, weeding is a perfect metaphor, maybe that weeding of your business and of your life gives that space for growth to happen. You don't know what direction or where that growth is going to come from, but for that growth to happen, if your garden's completely clogged up with stuff, well, nothing's really going to grow. You've got to take that time to say, well, what don't I want in here? What do I want to move away and then you suddenly have the capacity for growth to happen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You got to just recognize what's you need to cut away. Like you might be wedded to something that's dying and man, you got to be super unsentimental and calculating about it or you're not going to figure out a good way to, to grow effectively. You're going to have all of these things dragging you down and it's going to make you miserable and burn out and probably not succeed as a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, recently I uh, stepped down from two masterminds that I was a part of because of exactly that. Uh, it wasn't as enjoyable as it once was. Uh, I love the people, but the meetings just weren't as productive or as necessary as they were. I was, at the time, in five masterminds, which is a few masterminds too many, and I just started feeling that pressure on the side of like, well, there's not enough time. There's not enough room for me to grow. I'm promising like next steps here, but oh God, there's so much work here. And I realized like it wasn't contributing to my happiness and it wasn't helping me grow as a person. And I pruned them. I said, hey, I I love you guys. I love that I'm invited to this. I want to stay in touch with you, but I'm not going to be able to participate anymore because I'm not able to give it my full attention. I'm not able to make it a priority. And that's a disservice to you. And by pruning it, suddenly I didn't have that cognitive load of like, ah, geez, I got that thing that uh, I feel I should be doing, but I'm not doing as well as I want to be doing. And I was able to nip it in the bud and say, okay, uh, 
I need to make a break here. And sometimes it's hard, hard for me, hard for another person to hear, but necessary. I think the takeaway here is that growth doesn't necessarily mean you get to be a social butterfly. Like if for mm-hmm. me and probably for you, like the opposite is true. Like I end up talking more with fewer people mm-hmm. and, um, part of that involves, well, you just have more like sophisticated, complicated problems. So very few people actually understand it. Um, I went out with like a close personal friend and normally we're able to talk about our jobs pretty effectively because she's a developer and I'm a designer. And I just talked about like some of the deals I lost recently and my sales process and how things are breaking down in a couple of ways. And she just blank stared like, like, what alien are you? <laughs> what even is going on? And I thought like, well, you know, this doesn't mean you're a bad friend and it doesn't mean you're like, I'm going to cut you out of my life or anything, but it does mean that I'm going to share the things that are currently in front of my face with other people. Mm-hmm. And I find in my experience that that's increasingly few people. I've closed mm-hmm. ranks a lot, a lot over the past two years. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, exactly the same with me. Uh, uh, there's been a shrinking of the number of people I call close friends and it was definitely that assessment of the realization like as I've grown in one way they've grown in another and it's no fault of either one of us we've just diverged and the things that like you said the things that are staring me in the face the problems I'm trying to overcome the things I'm working on well they're just in a different area and uh, it's been interesting like my close core group of friends right now they're all professors at the university and I'm over here with my bachelor's degree doing online big money stuff. And, but even through that, we're able to connect on like, Oh, I'm working on this big project. And they're like, Oh, cool. That's similar to like this research grant I'm applying for. And (laughs) they're able to celebrate like, yeah, they're able to celebrate like, Oh wow. Like you had this launch and it did great. Uh, uh, you know, I'm teaching two classes this term, you're mentoring this term. And we've been able to find parallels between there where, I didn't expect us to be able to connect over those things, but we have. But with other friends, even friends who who work like a day jobby job in business, I might say like, oh yeah, we're doing this book launch and they just like blank stare me. What's that like? And if you aren't able to look to your close personal friends to share the things or commiserate in the things that you're experiencing, that could be challenging. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and so finding a tribe is hard finding, um, especially as you grow the like nature of that tribe and the needs that you have from that tribe change. Uh, for me, they've changed quite quickly and it's, um, really caught me flat footed in a lot of ways. Like I don't, I love my friends. If you're a friend and you're listening to this, you're wonderful. And I wish you could come over and, you know, roast marshmallows outside because it's beautiful outside right now. Um, but I also find that like I'm doing like the real talk less often with them um, because they just either they don't identify with it strongly or they're unable to help or, you know, in a few situations, they probably feel jealous. They're like, well, you're making this much money and you're living the dream. Like, what's the problem, Nick D? Well, I spent, you know, 35 minutes just telling you what the problem is. Mm hmm. So, <laughs> so I don't know what else. Yeah, I think we're verging into the topic for another episode here, but there's a divergence that happens with personal friends as a business grows or as you go down the business path. People, I, I saw, I've seen this a lot with my friends who have very successful day job careers and don't understand what the fuck I'm doing. 
and yeah. how I'm doing it. Yeah, nobody understands what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. other colleagues understand what I'm doing, but like, I'm go to a bar tonight or something, nobody's going to understand what I'm doing. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You're still a human who has feelings and can talk about other things. I care about things that aren't just running a business, my God. But like, I find that, you know, that's, people talk about their jobs all the time, you know? And and lopping that off feels like just not having an arm anymore. Like you just, you're losing so much conversational facility. Mm-hmm. And And I find that to be quite challenging, but. Eh, life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've commented to my mom, my dad, close personal friends, like the mastermind that we're both part of, like that's been in a way me to find my tribe and the people where I'm like business things and everybody else is like, yeah, business things or like growing my business things. And they're like, yeah, growing your business things. We speak that same language. In Paul Jarvis's words, uh, we are, this group is our rap people, the people who care about the same things we do, who bond together. And that's a hard thing to find. And for years, I struggled with it in Eugene as I was working on growing my consulting business. I looked around to the other consultants in town and I'm like, the way you're playing this game isn't the way I enjoy playing this game. I feel this weird dissonance here. And it only was when I joined this mastermind and started connecting with these other folks that I was like, oh, wow, you guys are also playing the same game I am in a similar way. Cool. Like we're able to bond over this and talk about this. Yeah. It's likely you'll find most of your real tribe on the internet. I mean, Mm -hmm. just because the internet is really big and, and facilitates a lot of like tiny niches, right? Like, so it's easy to find, you know, Paul, uh, the, the rat people term is because Paul owns a bunch of rats as pets. And if you think that's disgusting, you're not his rat people. If you know that rats are cute as pets, which they are, uh, if they're domesticated, and uh, then it's okay, and and you resonate with that, right? Like, and so you just need to find the people that get what you do. Um, I think that works to bring it back to the original topic. That works against growth quite a bit. You know, you're you're deliberately taking a confident point of view that might alienate a lot of people. You're not looking to be the next Facebook. You're not looking to be the next Adele. Um, you're doing something that targets a specific niche and finding kindred spirits within that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think on episode one or two, I had made a comment about how once when I was talking about my business to a friend and like, oh, I just hit this target and it's exciting. The friend had made a comment like, oh, it'll be so exciting once you could start like a real business and you have an office. And yeah, it, it was shocking and made me realize like, oh, wow, we have completely different views of what growing a business is like. And it really comes back to what I see or what you see as growing our individual businesses as. That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Um, So develop what that is because that's not hard at all. And uh, that'll be your homework for next time. All right.